that is coming and I, I'll give you full credit. It was motivated by you. So what? Yep. We call it the Curtis feature. You do not. Yes, I do. You could restore it Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And with me, I have Judas Iscariot, a.k.a. Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? <laughs> I'm good, Curtis. Thank you for that. It, you did leave us. Mm-hmm. You, you have gone on to other pastures. I'm not going to say greener pastures. You've gone on to other pastures. Different pastures. Where, where, are, you, where are you working now, Prasanna? So I am at Zoom. And what are, you, what are you doing over there? So focused on their data privacy aspects. So helping make sure everything's secure. Just recently All started. Right. So still getting up to speed on everything. Yeah. We'll see how it yeah. Goes. I can imagine. A lot to learn. I can imagine. So I wish but you the best of luck. I'm so- <laughs> Thank you, Curtis. And just because I'm somewhere else does not mean I will not be talking about data protection or security or anything else. It's all still all relevant. Well, well clearly you clearly you're here. So I'm glad that you're continuing on the podcast. Um, you know, you're a big part of the the reason for our ginormous success. All of our listeners, thank you for your continued support <laughs> of the podcast, even though you no longer, you know, work for the big D. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, I work for Juva. Persona works for Zoom. Uh, these are our opinions and do not necessarily represent those of our employer. And uh, please rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And if you've got something to talk about that's data protection related, adjacent, right? Um, We've got all kinds of different people on here. People, you know, actual practitioners that use backup products, uh, networking products, security products. We've we've been talking a lot about security lately. Um, I I don't know if you've heard, there's this thing called ransomware. (laughs) It's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. Oh, we've also had people with talking about like Kubernetes and databases. We've had, yeah, we've had Kubernetes right? and yeah, yeah, yeah. So anything, you know, we're, we're pretty open. Uh, we just like having interesting people on to talk. Um, and we couldn't find any more interesting people. And so instead we've got this guest that <laughs> that's coming on. So this, this, is, this is a fun one for me because uh, I have known our guest for many years. He's been in the, in the industry I think around the same amount of time I have uh, and for a uh, a while, a couple of years, uh, he was actually my boss. Uh, But now he is. Oh, man. Poor guy. The CMO over at Store One. Welcome to the podcast, George Crump. Hey, hey, Curtis. Thanks for having me. You know, I was. (laughs) I think you and I would have been in storage so long that tape was an upgrade from tablets uh, <laughs> when we started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I've, I've mentioned to people like, I, you know, I've been around like a long time. The oldest thing I ever saw in production in a data center that I worked in was a disk pack, right? We, we like removed one of those old disk packs like the week I came into the data center and the oldest thing we had backup wise, we had those nine track tapes, 
which were all the rage, you know, back in the day. Those for those of you that don't yeah. know what a nine track tape is, just watch any, <laughs> you know, computer movie from the fifties. It's the it's the big giant yeah. reel to reel uh, things. Um, <laughs> we actually made backups to those. They were it was one hundred and twenty bits per inch. I just remember that um, that number. I don't know why it stuck in my head. But uh, how about you, George? What what's the like the oldest technology you remember ever seeing in production? Well, I I, I grew up in the the CPM days. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember yep. that wonderful operating system. So I remember the big uh, eight and a half inch floppy. Oh uh, yeah, disc. oh and, yeah. And the up and I was I actually made money upgrading people from cassette drives on their TRS eighties or or. Whatever it was, it was their business version of the TRS-80 yeah. and upgrading them to an eight and a half inch floppy or eight inch floppy disk. I mean, that was that was a huge oh step forward. <laughs> I can remember customers saying, wow, look how fast it is. <laughs> you, you do realize those exact floppies are still in production in nuclear silos, right? Oh, I'm, I had, and boy. <laughs> yeah. If, if it works, works, don't break it. And you wonder why <laughs> ransomware has been so successful. You know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, it, it's, I mean, you and I have seen many, many advancements and some, I don't know what the opposite, what's the opposite of advancements, uh, regressions. Um, we've Does. seen some, yeah, we've seen some regressions over the years. Um, and, uh, you know, everything old is new again. So you ran for many years, uh, storage Switzerland, which is where, you know, when I worked for you describe how you ended up where you're currently into where you're currently at. So store one is a, uh, enterprise storage platform, uh, vendor. We focus on soft. We get there through software. Primarily we will sell bundled solutions where I, I know the CEO, uh, Gal Naylor, and you probably have run into him at, at some point or another, Curtis, but, uh, he was founder and CEO at Storewise. Right. right. So I came, that was the real time data compression company. Uh, if, if if I came out of stealth, if you will, at Storage Switzerland, if an analyst can do that, about the same time they did. And so right. we sort of hit it off. You know, in the first few years of running Storage Switzerland, I kind of liked everybody. And then I started to really not. Um, and what it was, and you've been on briefing calls with me. You've you've seen it. You've seen the ugly Matt Bad George uh, on briefing calls. And uh, I'm just saying object engine. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but the, um, uh, the, you know, and so I, I was looking for somebody that did it differently. Mm-hmm. And what we did is fundamentally different than what every, how everybody else has come to market. Most companies, I think, come to market with a feature in mind and then they layer, they, they layer that on top of existing software. So if you and I played a game and name uh, word association with different vendors, yeah. you know, you, you and Brasano both would quickly pick out the features that I'm talking about. Right? Right, right. We did the opposite. We went in and rewrote the storage engine, if you will, from scratch, that low level stack. And now what we have is this highly optimized, efficient piece of code that delivers, you know, very, very high performance. We run at like 90% capacity utilization, all those sort of things. And so now we're finishing up the upper layers that, that that data services layer, if you will, and you know, being pretty successful at it. And especially a lot of the, I'm sure the existing companies, they probably architected this quite a while ago. And so 
what they've learned and how they could leverage other new technologies, it's much harder with their existing architecture rather than starting from almost scratch like you guys did, right? You start from a clean slate and you're able to quickly build with those features in mind. I'm sure it's things like deduplication and all sorts of other things that you just start with that's kind of, okay, this is a no-brainer. Yeah, and so we, like even, even lower layer than that, like we can, we rewrote our own RAID algorithms. Right. And so instead of counting on, mm. you know, RAID or, or, or uh, anything else, racer coding, those sort of things, we basically took erasure coding and stripped it clean and rewrote it and changed fundamental aspects of the algorithm oh, wow. to get, you know, all the goodness of erasure coding without the performance bottleneck that it tends to be in other environments. Mm. So that so that kind of very technical type of sale, the, the ability to really do things differently, uh, really appealed to me. Uh, as I was talking to Gal and uh, about a year, well, January last year came on board. And um, yeah, I, I can remember being on some of those calls with you and, you know, I could, I can remember, you know, it's an interesting business, the business that, you know, you and I were jointly in uh, for a while, you know, sometimes you take those calls and, and you're, you know, your, your, your revenue depends on working with these companies that you're you take the briefings from and sometimes you take a briefing and you're like this is the dumbest idea i've ever heard you know or or it sounds like an interesting idea but you appear to be completely incapable of articulating what that idea is or worse it's what you're a half hour into the presentation you're like i'm sorry what do you do yeah yes (laughs) yes yes Yeah, it's like you, you know, you're yep. you, you you've got it. You've got a half hour problem statement, right? Yep. Um, and and it's like, uh, uh, okay, I get it. Storage is growing, this <laughs> drives fail. You know, get right. to, get to the point, dude. Yep. Uh, remember the guy that was going to put data centers in space? Oh, I remember that guy. <laughs> <laughs> What I remember was that I could never remember the name of the company even back then. Like it, it had a weird, you know, it wasn't like data centers in space.com. It was, it was something right. that, and no, here's the other thing I remember that it, it, it reminded me of Skynet that it was something like yes. that. It would, we go, that sounds like Skynet. That sounds bad. Is this the beginning of the end? Um, yeah. Anyway, well, so I remember a certain vendor whose name I won't say, who made some outrageous claims on deduplication, and I thought I was going to have to drive to California and give you sedatives. You were so bad. <laughs> <laughs> was it four hundred to one? Was that the, was the four hundred yes. to one? Yeah. Yes. yeah, I know the vendor you're talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I've heard this before, George. Right? I, I've heard yeah. the we started from scratch. We have the advantage of starting from scratch. And, 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 and I'm, I'm assuming that you, that you have so many of the features that we've come to expect in many different storage platforms, but since, mm-hmm. you know, our listeners probably don't know much about your platform, why don't you give us sort of a summary of what the product does? Yeah, I, I think the easiest way to think of it is we are a uh, software defined storage consolidation uh, solution, right? And if you... Uh, you can probably remember some pieces that I wrote saying you will never be able to consolidate storage uh, because, uh, you know, the, the workloads are just too different. Right. And so, A, never say never. Uh, and um, <laughs> but it, what it really what I never thought anybody would be, you know, uh, 
dedicated enough to do is rewrite it from scratch. It, it's a, it was an eight-year development process for Store One. Hmm. Right? So they started in 2011. It took them, they projected six years, took them eight years um, before they had a product in market. Right. So very, very patient investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that aspect that makes a, a huge difference. Like, you know, so we have all used the term at one time or another, the storage IO stack. Right. We don't have a stack. It's all it's all collapsed into a single layer. And that allows us to scale both performance and capacity in the same unit. And so what's really strange for me is uh, I'm on customer calls all day long. And and on one call, I could be helping a customer with a video surveillance problem. And on the very next call, I could be dealing with an online sports betting company that needs 0.2 milliseconds of write latency, Mm. right? And it's the same exact software that does both. So our, our challenge is to be disciplined and just give the customer what they need and not overload them with 800 things they don't need. Um, but then, you know, to hint that, Hey, when you want to do something else, you can do this thing too. So do you want to define storage consolidation? Yeah. Uh, And, and (laughs) it's, it's, we would define it as exactly what it should be, which is everything goes into one thing, right? Where most companies storage consolidation is whatever they can consolidate and then they use other things, right? So that means doing, um, you know, every the ranging thing from uh, archive, uh, nearline type of storage, all the way up to high performance and even HPC storage and everything in between. So VMware, Hyper-V, uh, file workloads. It also means you got to be able to do all the protocols. So we do fiber channel, iSCSI, NFS, SMB, NVMe over fabric. Uh, like we don't think just because NVMe over fabric comes out, you need to have a whole new company with a whole new storage system. You should be able to have a platform you plug the card into and boom, you're off to the races, right? It's a card, not a company. Uh, And so that's our strategy. And I think the one thing that started our conversation is we, uh, you know, kind of brazenly uh, claim that we can replace backup. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to, we'll get to that, George. So, so (laughs) we're going to get to that part of the, just so George, is yours uh so it's software defined, but you said you uh just add a card. I'm assuming you add a card to the underlying uh hardware appliance or the server that your software is running on top of. So yeah, so customers can choose to buy really now one of three ways from us. They can um implement it uh on essentially their own hardware, they can you know bring their own hardware. Uh they can buy a turnkey appliance from us. And, and what's interesting in those two choices, anyways, the, the customers are polar opposites. They you either you either want a turnkey, single throat the choke type of person, or you're yeah, I want to do it all myself type of person, right? And so we just you know however you want to do it, that's how we'll do it. Um, and what we did that's a little unique is about a year ago now, a little bit more than a year ago, we launched a, a section of our website called True Price. And we put all of our, you know, so like one of the hardest things to do in primary stores is to get a price on the freaking product, right? Um, it's it's mm-hmm. sort of like a, a shell game or something. Uh, we decided to just stop it. And <laughs> so we have published real street pricing available on our website that you can go and configure a system and poof, this is how much it's going to cost. Um, and and we that, that's a bit of game changer for us. Uh, it's very, I guess, cloud-like. 
Uh, but in that, the reason I brought that up is in that uh, on that section, you can select the software only, or you can select uh, one of our hardware partners and then build your configuration from there. And if, so if you build the hardware version, then we you know can provide you know 100% turnkey support, dispatch, all that kind of stuff. The only, in my opinion, the only negative to the software is if there, we always assume the problem's ours and we try to resolve it accordingly. If we do determine that there's a hardware problem, because you know hardware does break occasionally, we have. If you didn't buy the hardware from us, we need you to dispatch the guy because we don't own the relationship, right? And and that makes for you know because of experience that makes some customers nervous. But those customers would probably want the appliance. The, exactly. pe- the people yes. who you know you said they're polar opposites. People that want to build their own thing are fine with pulling out the wrench and you know working on it themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and the funny thing to me is that if you, if you really think about it, nobody has a bad, well, I shouldn't say nobody, very, very, very few companies have a bad service guy that shows up in your data center. Usually it's all subcontracted. And the first thing the guy does when he walks in your data center is make a phone call to say, okay, what am I here to fix? Right. Right. We, we, we had a, we had a service technician for one of our, lar- well, actually our, probably our third largest customer walk into the data center and unplug an entire JBOD full of 1.9 petabytes Oof. of disk drives. Not a good thing to do for anybody, right? Fortunately, the software recovered from it, but we're like, uh, why would you do that? You, he wasn't even there to service our stuff. He was there to service somebody else's stuff. Ugh. So, you know, that's that's the thing with uh, hardware. But anyways, I mean, our job, and just like with you guys, you know, with what you do, our job is to be resilient to the infrastructure and to the humans that surround that infrastructure. Right. So uh, one thing I just want to clarify, because when you initially said storage consolidation, I was thinking more like, um, uh, like Hitachi's, I forgot the, the name of their product, the, the Hitachi's product that can have other vendors disc behind, like that they will consolidate Whatever, you know, if you got a NetApp, if you got an EMC, plug all that stuff oh, behind us and we'll make it all look like one. That doesn't sound like what you're talking about. Um, so we can do that. So we can, you could, let, let's, so I have a, a, a prospective customer, I should say, that we're working with that has a, that has a very healthy fear of ransomware. Uh, two, I've said it twice already, but he just bought a competitor's solution about uh-huh. six months ago, right? Okay. Well, what we're going to do is we can actually have that uh, a unit uh, connect into us and we'll use it as a tier. So we'll have a, we'll basically just sell a, basically just a flash layer. And then we'll use that competitor's product as a, uh, essentially a hard drive tier that we'll just move all the data to. Which is great because then you right. could reuse your existing infrastructure without having it go to waste. Right. Well, nobody wants to go to the boss and say, hey, you know that thing I bought six months ago? I didn't know about this ransomware thing, right? So. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so it sounds like you can use other disk, but it's mm-hmm. not your the normal way you go to market. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time it's going to be either net new or uh, repurposing uh, old product, uh, old you know standalone server product in the data center. Okay. Most of the time it's new. Net new product. Oh, net new product. Okay. Is it primarily flash or all flash? No, uh, it is. We're, we're very much a fan of hybrid. Um, and so we can, we certainly, you know, an all flash array is just a hybrid array without the disks. 
right? So you can buy an off last ray and and up until really beginning of this year, that was a, probably our leading product, if you will, or, or mm -hmm. configuration, I should say. But um, we've done some things specifically, ironically, with hard drives that make them very appealing. Uh, we have incredibly fast RAID rebuild times. We get very good performance off of the tier. Uh, and we, as I said earlier, we can run at 90% capacity utilizations, right? So all of a sudden, you know, what we say is we make hybrid cool. And so, um, but, you know, a typical configuration for us is 50 to 100 terabytes of flash and then petabytes of hard disk drives. Well, you guys know how data centers work, right? Most people don't turn over 100 terabytes of data every day. So it, usually it's on the flash tier for weeks, if not months. And then we move it down to the uh, the hard disk tier when it makes sense to. Is is it a tier and not a, it's not a, it's it not a, a uh, okay. All right. What, yeah, what's, what's, the other, what's the other, what's the other cash? Thank you. Not a cash. It's a tier. Yeah. Yeah. And we and we we're also media independent. So, for example, we, we've had great success with Intel Optane as as the upper tier. But again, mm -hmm. it's a tier, not a cache. So, for me, the definition is um, that that data is going to reside on that layer longer, a lot longer, and therefore I have the responsibility to protect it from media failure, among other things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, you know, we'll, we'll run our uh, what we call VRAID. Uh, on uh, anywhere from three to four Optane drives before we move it down to a lower tier. What I was going to say earlier, though, but what's the other thing that's driving a huge adoption of hybrid for us right now is it, you can't get flash drives, right? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> the supply chain weeks, issues. Uh, yeah. Is typical wow. availability. And I, I now never thought this would happen. I now have weekly calls with SSD vendors to get updates on where things are. <laughs> and so the we're seeing 12 week lead times. We expect it to go to 18, probably in July. Um, by the way, hard drives are a little tight, but not as bad. And we expect them to get better much, much faster uh, as far as availability goes. Uh, so, you know, you could be looking at eight, 18 weeks of lead time. We've already seen a 30 percent price increase on flash technology. We expect to see another 30 percent increase next quarter. So now the other big you know, reason you go hybrid is because you're going to save money. Well, you just gave me another 60% to play with. Do you find that with the larger hard drives, I know you mentioned RAID rebuild times get reduced with your technology. Do you find that to be an issue versus like other competitor competitive yeah, products, um, if you will? So a lot of what I was tracking is about 30 to 35% of the customers that I was speaking to. The reason they the reason they wanted all flash was to avoid slow raid rebuild times, mm. um, and so when so we have a test that can, you can go to our website. We've run it live uh, where we took um, uh, 70 14 terabyte hard disk drives, filled them to 55 percent capacity, so we weren't cheating, and uh, failed one. And an hour and 45 minutes later, all the volumes were back online to a fully protected state. And then you can fail another wow. one because we don't require hot spares. <laughs> so you could fail another one. So that would be, you know, you had 70 drives. Now you got 69. You could fail another one. We would do the same thing in the same hour and 45 minutes, except you'd only have 68 drives left. At the height of COVID, we had customers with four and five failed drives in their system. But because they couldn't get to the data center, they just let them sit there. 
Oh, just let the, the, the dead drives. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned you provide some of the features of object. One of the features that I like of object is how easy it is to say, listen, when I give you this thing, whatever the thing is, make sure it's in three different places, right? Make mm-hmm. sure that it can, it can survive, you know, the destruction of a data center or whatever. Are, are you, are, are you including something like that and the features that you're bringing over? So, uh, you know, of course we bring the full object uh, complement, right? So if you want to do it through essentially, I'll, I'll call it native object primitives, just because I can't think of another word for it. You could do it that way. You could also do it through our software. So we support uh, cascading replication uh, and it, it's all driven. So we, we are, our unit of control, we call it uh, volume level uh, isolation. So our unit of control is the volume. Those volumes can span the same media, but it's it's all controlled at the volume layer. So I could say, okay, this volume that happens to be S3, I want it to replicate to LA, New York, and Azure, right? Uh, this volume that's NFS, I want it to replicate to uh, New York, LA, and then from LA, I want it to go to uh, Nevada and then to Azure or whatever, right? So you can control all of that at a volume level. What I don't do on that part that you might do with object, like you had just said, Curtis, if it's a very specific object, like, for example, I want all video surveillance data coming from this prison to also replicate to Amazon. But from this prison, I can't because they have a state law that says I can't. And that was a real use case. But you could could you just not create separate volumes? For each of those prisons, okay. The, that, that's the choice we gave the customer, and they they were going to have to. They were assuming they were going to have to rewrite their entire um, application to support objects so they could get that. And mm. once they figured out that they could just control where the volume was, that's what they went with. And so again, it's a it's a okay. for them it was way easier to say, okay, just you know pick a volume to write to, and instead of yeah. you know <laughs> writing a whole new protocol. All right, so here's my first challenge question, George. One of the reasons to go to object is to not to have to worry about volumes anymore, right? right. So how is this not bad? But is a volume just a bucket? Sorry, just a quick question. Okay. Well, but a volume to me is a very specific term that means a thing of, of a specific size that is difficult to grow or shrink over time. And I have mm-hmm. to say, I'm going to put, you know, like the, the question, can't we just create a 20 gigabyte, you know, place? I have to make that decision in advance. I have to provision a certain amount of storage for object. How, how do you address that issue? Right, so, so first of all, again, if you want to go object and, and have all of those capabilities, you can. But at a volume level, all of our volumes are thin provision, so you just make it as big as you want it to be. You can literally make them, you know, multiple petabytes, uh, and then they grow over time. We can shrink those volumes as well, so all of that's in there. Uh, uh, additional capacity is added, you know, as long as, uh, uh, except for the time it takes you to plug it into the rack and connect it, it's about you know two minutes to consume the media. So you just control all that on the fly. So the the whole thing is abstracted from the hardware and all the volumes write to 
all the media unless you've specifically said, I don't want this volume to go to that type of media. So if you're creating for like, say you're going to do video surveillance on an Oracle database, your Oracle database, you might set up to only go to flash where your video surveillance bomb, you might, might want a little bit of flash and then a whole lot of disk. So that's, that's your knob, if you will, that you turn, but it's totally abstracted and you can adjust it on the fly. Okay. So you, it sounds like you, you solved many of the, issues with volumes within provisioning, and that's good. But when I'm going to create a new bucket, uh, what what do I provision if I'm going to create a new S3? I don't know what you call it. Uh, I'm going to, okay, you, you are going to create a bucket. And what do I need to decide if I'm going fully object? What do I need to decide up front? You need to uh, decide your your how you're going to set up protection from media failure. Right. Okay. So it's, it's classic erasure coding. I've heard, I've heard different level uh, letters used for the two variables, but we call it N plus K. So N is how wide the stripe is going to be. And K is how many, you know, simultaneous stripe failures would you like to uh, survive? Mm-hmm. We, we add an optional uh, third parameter on that because we can also survive entire JBOD failures. Uh, so you could so think of it as a N plus K plus J. I don't, I just made that up. Uh, but that, that's how that would work. Uh, and then uh, that's really it. Uh, the other thing you can set, if you want us doing snapshots on it, you could set a snapshot schedule uh, on that bucket. And then you also mentioned the distribution of flash versus hard drive, right? That's also another parameter that you... Yeah. So when, you, when the first screen you come in, you tell it, I mean, you literally are just going to select the media type. You don't select the capacity. You just say, I want flash and I want HDD. And I don't have to specify, like you said, uh, I, I don't have to provision a certain amount of storage for it uh, in advance. Right. I did Okay. Right. All right. All right. Because it sounded like earlier that the decision to replicate or not replicate was based on a volume. Hence my concern that you were doing object on top of volumes, which would have problems of volumes, but. Yeah, so we can at a, a a ones and zeros letter we level we can do replication, or you can do it within the object store itself. So it's up to you how do you how do you want to do it. In most cases, frankly, it's more efficient just to let our core software do it, mm-hmm. uh, and we bring a lot of flexibility. Like I said, the the difference is at at the object layer, I have, if you will, an understanding of the objects or relationship with the objects at at the core software le- level, I essentially know what ones and zeros are, right? And I'm moving changed or not changed ones and zeros. Should you also should I also be thinking about the volume and the capacity you're talking about, the sizing, if you will, that you're initially giving, almost yeah. like a quota rather than necessarily That's a exactly disk it. size yep. that we normally think about? We could say, okay, I'm only going to give Curtis a terabyte of object store because that's all he ever needs for all of his barbecue pictures and everything maybe else. Ter- maybe 10 terabytes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's basically- those videos. All right, George, we are going to talk about the elephant yeah. in the room. <laughs> so you, you started out in the beginning. You said something like you, you, you feel that you, your stuff is so good. It doesn't need to be backed up. That that might be a little, you know. I, I feel that, no, no, that's not true. I feel that we don't need a separate backup product uh, to back up our. Now, right. I, let me first say, just to save myself a little bit of pain, uh, I, I, I don't 
I don't actively go around telling people to throw their backup solution in, in the product, in the pond. And if they say, look, I really want to do a backup, I don't say, no, you shouldn't, right? But what we think is we've met the three, two, one rule uh, of backup uh, with, with our solution. You, yep. you and I have been around a while. The first company that I remember saying something like this. Yep. Who needs it? Samir. Was NetApp. Yep. Right. We've got snapshots. We've got replication. We've got on-site site. We've got off-site stuff. How is what you're doing any different? And and I'm pretty sure you and I, well, I know I did. I was always one that said, listen, you know, what about rolling code problems? What about, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I realize that you've solved the physical issues, right? The three, two, one is about the physical issues, like what happened with the OVH data yeah. center fire in in uh, Paris, or not Paris, right. in, in France. You solved that issue, but what about stupid people or just, you know, just people, you know, developers make mistakes, uh, humans make mistakes, and I go and I delete my stuff, and then you just make my deletion more effective by replicating that deletion. How do you... How do you handle those issues? So I, I would make it even more challenging because you haven't made it challenging enough for me yet. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, <laughs> okay. actually. Yeah. There's there's also the, I think what most, so the, the other aspect of it is not just the protection side, right? It's also the recovery side. You've got to be able to give people the ability to find their data, which is I what, frankly, I think most, mm -hmm. uh, well, maybe not most, but a lot of, okay, maybe not even a lot. Some backup products, some backup <laughs> products do a particularly good job of is helping you find that needle in the haystack, right? So here's what we right. do, and you can tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, so first, uh, at, at a simplest layer, we have no concept of a write cache. All, all data is written to persistent media all the time. Uh, that goes back to what I said about rewriting the code. We wrote it so efficiently that we can write to the initial flash tier uh, faster than having to manage a cache and mirroring the cache and doing battery backed up cache and all that kind of stuff. Now, that does mean that I always have at least a small flash tier, right? Even if it's a quote unquote hard drive only system, there's a small flash tier in there, okay? The, the second layer is, um, our, our, what we call our V-RAID, which is essentially a rewritten erasure coding, which provides fantastic protection from media failure, okay? The third layer, which is where we start to now delve, I think, into, into backup realms, is our snapshot capability, right? We can take a snapshot every minute, retain that snapshot indefinitely. Uh, I, would, I, I was going to say forever, but then we get into concept of how long is forever. So let's just say indefinitely. The snapshots are all immutable and they're not presented. So in other words, if something crawled us, it wouldn't see the snapshots. Is it tied okay? to the initial, the, to the original volume that it came from, or is it yeah. independent of that volume? It, it is tied to the original volume that it came from. So it, okay. it's space efficient, you know, the... The only area where you'll see growth, of course, is if that volume changes, the primary volume changes, we got to track those changes, of course. Um, and so even though we could take a snapshot every minute and retain it indefinitely, the, your ability to buy <laughs> physical media limits, limits yep. what indefinite means, right? 
And so we have retention policies. In fact, the whole snapshot uh, interface is set up on an RPO, uh, uh, out, not algorithm, but uh, presentation. Let me make sure I understand what you just said. Um, what you're saying is you're defining your, if I can say, backup configuration based on your recovery parameters. Is that, which I, I, I like that, right? I, I think too many backup products focus way too much yeah. on the backup and not enough on the recovery. So you're asking, you're asking the customer what their RPO and, um, uh, is, and that's then you in the back end um, decide what to do to that, meet that exactly requirement. Correct. Yes. Then, then as we okay. discussed earlier, at a volume level, you can set different types of replication policies, and then you can cascade that replication multiple times. Now, for me, where this gets interesting, and you know, because you know my background, obviously, is is if if we have a customer say, yes, I, I sign up, I want to replace backup. My uh, our typical recommendation will be actually a on prem. Uh, instance and an offsite instance. Okay, technically you probably don't need the extra on-prem, but you know, I'm a I'm a DR guy. I'm paranoid. Oh, oh, an extra. So a total. You're saying a total of three instances. Uh, well, two instances on-prem and a third instance off-prem. Yeah. Right. Well, the reason right, I can right. make that yeah. thing is, you know, I'm not an all-flash array, so you're not buying three all flash arrays, you can buy your second box can be, you know, basically hard disk drives with a small layer of flash, right? And I can asynchronously replicate local just like I can remotely. Um, so the, and I can also do synchronous local just to be clear. So anyways, you, you make that copy. Be, what's really critical though, is as you guys know, most uh, replication technology today is totally dependent on the snapshots, right? So you are, uh, you're not updating your DR copy until the snapshot executes and it pushes those changes over. They, fundamentally, they cheated, right? They, they took the shortcut to get a replication product to market. Our replication product is integrated into the, the platform, but it's separate. And so we are running a continuous replication job to whatever targets you deem uh, necessary. Um, and then the target volumes are then independent, right? And you can run your own snapshot schedule, or I shouldn't say your own, but a different snapshot schedule on those target volumes, right? So you could have the the primary copy be taking a snapshot every minute, and then the the secondary copy be taking a snapshot every five minutes, you know, whatever. Is that a requirement or can you replicate the original snapshots that I make to the target volume? The, we, we are replicating from the primary volume. No, I know you're replicating from the primary volume, but you said I could have a different schedule. So the question is, is that the way it has to be that I need to take, if I want snapshots on both the primary and the target, do I need to take snapshots on both sides or can I take snapshots? In other words, can I do it the way NetApp does it, where I take the snapshots? I know that underneath you're doing it differently, but I like the idea of taking one snapshot and then having that snap that snapshot show up over there so in the you target volume. No, so you would run a separate set of snapshots in the target site because we think that you want a continuously updated copy. And if you want to roll back, you just you just browse your snapshots uh, accordingly. So if I think about the way that you're doing replication, it's kind of like database log forwarding type of a mechanism, kind of sort of right where 
That's not a bad analogy. Yeah. Right. Where whatever is coming into your primary, you're just forwarding that right, the IO over to the other side and letting it kind of apply as if it was a client. Which, okay. And potentially, if you did want to do a snapshot, you'd kind of need some sort of coordination um, to kind of fence off IO. If you did want to preserve that single point in time, fence off the IO, flush all the IO, then take a snapshot on your primary, take a snapshot on the secondary. So you do ensure all the rights have been captured at the exact same point in time. Going back to what Curtis wanted. That's correct. And we have that coordination built in either through VSS or, or other mechanisms. So that's there as well. Also remember, though, all of our data is being written to persistent media. There's nothing in cache. Right. So the the likelihood of a dirty uh, situation is, is clearly there. And that's why we have VSS support, but it's less likely. Well, but it's not... So like when we talk about like a database, the idea is uh, it's not so much, uh, I don't think I'm worried as much about a cache as I am the the application is not, is not writing data to the storage in a backup friendly way unless I put it in backup mode, for example, or I did uh, like Oracle. So the, 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 the concern that I have with the approach that you've taken is the way, you know, one of the ways that we would do Oracle backup is to put Oracle backup and uh, I'm sorry, put Oracle in backup mode, then take a snapshot on the primary. And now I have an Oracle friendly application consistent snapshot that I can then replicate as yep. many places as I want. How do I get something like yep. that with your approach? So first of all, the, um, in an Oracle environment specifically, uh, we have the we have these things called application templates where you define the different volumes that you typically would want in an Oracle environment. Uh-huh. And we make sure the snapshot is consistent. So we have concept of consistency groups across all the volumes, right? And then we also would integrate into Oracle to put it in the backup mode as often as that particular customer wanted so that the, that particular replication segment was clean. Okay, so you can you can make a consistency. Yeah, so you do it. Yeah. So, well, because I thought I asked this, but maybe I just didn't ask it in the right way. Yeah. You can make a snapshot that is consistent across, the, in, in the example, the three different. We can get an instance of data that's consistent across all the different copies that you have. That's correct. Okay. Okay. And that we works. just do it in a completely different way. That's right. Okay. So then okay. once it's in however many locations you want to, so now if you, you know, kind of think of what I've created, let, let's say I'm going to the extreme. I've got a, a snapshot happening every minute on-prem, every three minutes in my second copy, and then every, I don't know, five minutes in my DR site, right? Um, all of those snapshots are read-only. Uh, all the, the snapshots of the um, data that's in the, alternate locations are independent volumes from the uh, first instance, right? So I've got some separation there. Uh, Now the trick becomes, well, there's two tricks, right? One, how do I manage the retention of those snapshots? Because to your earlier point, we don't want to fill up the whole thing with nothing but snapshots. Um, And so you can set retention policies on the snapshots at the same time you set your RPO, okay? And so you could say, Take a snapshot every minute, retain those snapshots for an hour, take a snapshot every hour, retain those for a day, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, then the I think the final element is how do you recover, right? And so we present two ways to recover. 
um, on for all all the different uh, types. We provide the ability to uh, basically a calendar clock interface. So you click on the day you want, you click, and then it'll show you a clock, and there'll be little dots where uh, the snapshots are. You uh, click on that one, and you can either restore that snapshot directly or mount it and do something with it, manipulate it. Then the second thing we have is for specifically for file systems, so SMB, NFS, and S3, we have the ability to um, do a file-based recovery. And so what we've been able to do, again, this goes back to the efficiency of our software. And the way I describe it is we've sort of pierced the bubble uh, into the file system, and now we can map uh, file system metadata with snapshot metadata and overlay them. And so what you'll see is a map of, let's say I look up for Curtis.doc, right? I'll see, here's when Curtis.doc was created. Here's the snapshot that relates to that creation. Here's the seven, eight times it was modified. Here's all the snapshots after those modifications. Uh, it goes for a long period of time and here's where it was deleted. And here's the snapshot right before the deletion. And then you can pick any of those snapshots that you want. Um, by the time I assume this podcast will air, we'll have a, a, a new update to that capability where we're uh, adding some alerting. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guess where, where this might be motivated by. <laughs> but the because we're seeing essentially real time into the file system, we'll let you know that there's been 100,000 file changes between this snapshot and that snapshot and warn you that that's not normal. So we'll, we'll also do some heuristics. So like, you know, if you do change a whole bunch of files every night at midnight, we're not going to alert you about that. But if all of a sudden 100,000 file snapshot change in a five minute period of time, we're going to say, hey, uh, you might want to <laughs> check this out. And yeah. then you could roll back to it. Now, I know that there's been, you know, lots of stories about these, you know, very sophisticated snapshots that slowly corrupt data. Um, everything that I've seen, I, I'd say 90 Five percent of the, the the situations I've personally been involved with, although I didn't start them, uh, and that uh, I've I've heard about are really the brute force type, where the the guy somebody just clicks on the wrong email and you know away it goes, right? So, but even that uh, worst case scenario, I think Curtis, right after you had left the company, I was involved in a project where, and I I thought this was brilliant, the ransomware uh, encrypted oldest file first. And so it reverse it reversed the uh, search the file system. And you know, so if we go with our old line of 80% of your data has been accessed in the last three years, it it mm. crawled and, and slowly encrypted all that data. Mm. <laughs> and then yeah. and then when the fi user finally hit a file, then it went in to you know encrypt everything in sight. But when that happened, they only had 20% of their data left, right? So they got, <laughs> right. they got crushed. But anyway, so we've developed, a, I think, a really good protection from accidental, you know, fuzzy human stuff, as well as headline grabbing ransomware stuff. I was going to say that I bet this rhymes with pensumware. So the snapshots, uh, when I configure them, can I say that they can't be deleted? Like even by me. Yes. Uh, that is 
coming and I, I'll give you full credit. It was motivated by you. So what? Yep. We call it the Curtis feature. You do not. Yes, I do. We're coming up with a, essentially a dual authentication uh, that requires uh-huh. two people to be logged in at the same time and confirm a de- delete within a period of time to be able to delete certain snapshots. Also, if there's a, um, what, what I'll call an active snapshot, mm-hmm. right? So you know, if you're taking a snapshot every minute, I got a whole bunch of snapshots that aren't active, right? But if you mm-hmm. mounted a snapshot and you're doing something with that snapshot, there's a parameter that says you're not allowed to delete uh, an active snapshot or a volume associated with an active snapshot. So you have to sort of delete everything underneath it first before you're allowed to delete the primary volume. Yeah, the the concern, obviously, I mean, so it sounds like you've got uh, what we've been calling four eyes uh, authentication yep. lately. What what I'm wondering is, you know, if there could be a feature that that literally, you know, you can say, if I say that, if I answer yes to the, so for example, 365 yep. has the option that says, um, you know, I'm going to turn on retention. Yeah. I'm going to set retention to, I'm going to set my versioning to a hundred versions per thing, right? Whether it's an email or a file or whatever. Yeah. And I can never change my mind yep. that even with, even with four eyes, yeah. you can't, you can only go from now forward. You, yeah. you can say, all right, I changed my mind. That just ate up a whole bunch of storage. I did. Now I'm spending, a, you know, a million dollars a month to Microsoft for storage costs. Um, we're going to undo this, but it's still going to be effective backwards. It's only effective. Any changes would only affect moving forward. Do you have anything like that? So it's almost like retention lock for snapshots, if you will. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's basically retention lock. Yeah. yeah. So what, what we are planning, um, I, I don't want to put a date on it, but I think it'll happen this year is the ability to not be able to delete a snapshot unless it's meet, met its retention policy. Um, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. The, yeah. now we have not discussed, the ability to absolutely positively not ever change that. Um, and that would be, a, I think that would be a problem for our customers because they are on-prem customers. Well, it, you know? well, it would be an option. Yeah. Like this would be up to the customer. If I check this box, I am knowingly saying I am never allowed to delete this thing. Yeah. And of course you understand what that's protecting from. It's protecting absolutely. from a rogue admin right? You know, like persona that uh, might come in and, and delete everything. It, it's if I think about normal volumes, right? What even what S3 offers, right? It's sort of like retention lock compliance and governance mode, right? Is usually what they yeah. typically sell one that you can override and change if you wanted to, in case you did make that mistake or realize that it's growing too long and admin can go and change that. And with the four yeah. eyes like implementation, you now have that double protection. And then yeah. the other is sort of that more strict mode where I can never change it before that retention time expires, right? That therefore right. it can never be deleted. We have to be careful with our primary storage, right? So we have to be a little careful um, and we've got to give some flexibility there. So for us, it's going to be hitting the balance of, you don't want to make it so secure that you can't use it. Right. Um, but you know, the, 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 I mean, obviously the simplest way to stop ransomware is to end all emails. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, that the rogue admin is is kind of where we're focused um, right now is 
putting in layers of authentication, putting in things that you can't delete things outside of our attention schedule. Those sort of things is where we're really focused next. I mean, honestly, you know, you asked me early on why store one. One of the things that really attracted me to the company is the the uh, thoughtfulness that that we put behind data protection, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, we can do a million IOPS and we we think we can do it better than anybody else. But if we lose all your data in the process, who cares? Well, you know, you started your answer with the three, two, one rule. Yeah. So you, you had you had me there. You had me a three, two, one, George. <laughs> but the one thing, though, Curtis, he didn't answer. And I know you brought this up as well, was yeah the fact that there could be a software bug or something else that could yeah. still affect, especially if you have the same three copies. Now, I'm assuming with your replication, they all don't need to be running the same version across all three systems in your environment. So that might yeah, protect we- you in some ways as well. Yeah, we can actually run within the same uh, cluster. We can actually run different versions of the software. Um, so, that, I, I mean, clearly, just like if you used, um, I don't know, Druva to back up all your data and that was introduced, right? At some point, there is that single point yeah. of weakness, right? Um, but, you know, the, obviously, it's our job to keep, just like it's your guy's job to keep bugs out of the software, but like I said, we can run, and I, it happens uh, probably more frequently than we like, but we can run different versions of the code, we, even within the same cluster, let alone stretching clusters, right? So the, the only time we require okay. this, the same code is if you're using a brand new feature. And, you know, obviously at that point, you've got to have that feature on everywhere else as well. Gotcha. So it, it sounds like you've answered, you know, 99% of those, you know, those, those questions that we would typically ask of a vendor who says we don't need backup. Um, and so it's really going to be up to the, to the customer to say, sure. um, you know, and I like, for example, it sounds like I could, one of my replication points or tiers, or I don't know what the right term is within your product could be S3. And if I wanted to, I could meaning, meaning Amazon S3, right. Um, if I could replicate into S3 and turn on object log there, maybe that would answer my, yeah, that concern. We officially support uh, Azure uh, right now. That's our primary cloud location. Okay. I'll say you've got as good of an answer, I suppose, as one could have being a primary storage product. I'll take that. That is, is saying, you know, um, short of the one feature of saying, Hey, even even I can't delete my own snapshots if it was optional, right? I, I think we would both agree that that should be optional if you offered it um, within 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 the ret- outside of the retention period. I'll tell you where we're we're not weak, but an area where a customer would still want protection is endpoints, right? We we're we're a, we're a centralized storage. So you're, yeah, yeah, you're, you're not an endpoint. Yeah, we're not an endpoint. So unless you're running BDI, <laughs> uh, you know, you you want endpoint protection, obviously. Well, I've been told at least once a year for the last 20 years that this is the year of VDI. So, <laughs> so maybe. Uh, my yeah, theory anyway. on VDI is the people who have VDI have it, and the rest of them just talk about having VDI, but end up still buying more laptops. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Well, it's been, it's, you know, it, it was a very good year for Dell and, you know, those folks, uh, okay. companies like them last year. Um, a lot of companies bought a lot of new laptops. Yeah. So, I right, Prasanna, can you think of any anything else to ask George on the? No, I think that this has been great. Um, 
I think at least all my questions were answered. And I know I hope Curtis is satisfied with the backup questions. I was more curious about no. the primary storage side of it. What I said, Prasanna, was it's as good of an answer it's, as you could possibly get. Which is satisfying me is, you know, that's a whole that, other thing. Like I said, we we will um we will talk to it. We'll talk about how we alleviate some of the pressure on secondary backup. We 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 feel we could replace it as long as you, but you have to be willing to put the right safeguards in place, right? We'll design it correctly. But at the same time, as I as when we started the conversation, if the guy if a guy came to me and said, "No, I absolutely want a, a backup solution," I'm not going to say, "Well, then we're not selling to storage, right?" <laughs> we'll say, "Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know." And and well, and we know how to feed snapshots to all of those different companies. So either way is fine with it. right. Yeah, I I guess it just it you know it sounds like you're not so. For example. Microsoft is almost like anti-backup, yeah. right? Like they, you know, depending on to whom you're speaking, you know, a, a Microsoft TAM might tell you, like, like strongly tell you, you do not need to back up our stuff. You're wasting your money. Um, they're wrong um, because they don't have any of the protections that you just talked about, right. right? Not even, they don't even have the two or the one, let alone any of the other stuff you talked <laughs> right. about, right? Everything's all in the same database. Anyway, sorry, that's a different podcast. So yeah, so th- so thanks for thanks for coming on, George, and, no and uh, we, we didn't really we didn't really get to like I mean you you made some allusions to good performance and stuff, and I'll just we, we don't have enough time to go into all of that, but we wanted to focus primarily on the data protection stuff, yeah. And uh, so uh, people that want to find your stuff, it's store one s with it with with only one e at the end, right? S o r o n e yes dot com. It's funny how many storage companies. Don't know how to spell store, but whatever. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's it's uh, a thing. It's yeah. a thing. Um, all right. And uh, yeah, so so thanks for coming on. Hey, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Persona, for your first post-Druva podcast. Thank you for having me on, Curtis. Thanks, George. It was fun chatting. Same, same. All right. And uh, thanks to our listeners. And make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. System isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead, it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit.
it'll be completely done. Maybe 